This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Christina Mott. Christina is the Chief Operating Officer of Marsh & McLennan Agency, and it's great to welcome her to the show today. Welcome to the show, Christina. Hey, thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Christina, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your career and the, and the work you're doing there at Marshall McLennan. Before we move into the main body of the questions today, could I just ask you to give a little bit more of an insight into your background and the career path that you've taken to date? Yeah, absolutely. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be in insurance, especially <laughs> in insurance broking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I wanted to be in a rock band, then an auto mechanic. And actually, I could have gone into insurance because I started Berkeley as a math major. Uh, but then, instead of being a mathlete, uh, I chose to change majors uh, at, to go after a more well-rounded education at that point. So like most people at that age, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I tried on a whole bunch of different things. And so I liked the idea of travel. So during uh, Berkeley, I, I worked at the Marriott throughout college and found out that that was not it. <laughs> and after college, I tried sales because I knew that I would always have that skill under my belt. So I, I ended up at Pitney Bowes and um, I was pretty successful at it. And I knew the products inside out uh, like no one else. So with that, I moved to the headquarters and uh, got into new product development. And after a few years there, uh, I ended up with a really big responsibility. And I knew that I could use more tools um, that can help me do my job better. So I, I switched gears and uh, went after a business degree uh, in Switzerland at IMD. That was the best decision right. I made because yeah, I met fantastic. my husband there. Um, <laughs> and uh, had I known then that I would get my MRS, that is Mrs. Yeah. In addition to my MBA, I would have paid double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After business school, I, I joined a Swiss startup called Think Tools, and um, I joined a COO to uh, establish their US presence uh, out of New York. So I moved to New York and uh, I had to wear many hats there, um, starting with you know HR to start recruiting people to finance to uh, business development marketing. So I, I did get to try a whole bunch of different things there and and found things I enjoy doing and didn't enjoy doing. And, and it was such heady times then because it was a dot-com era. And we went public and it was the most successful IPO in Swiss history. Wow. And, uh, you know, I became a millionaire on paper. 
Uh, and a short while after that, that all disappeared because, you know, you heard about all the dot bomb stories. So um, I, you know, I ended up being the last person standing there. And after that, I joined Marsh, Marsh McLennan. And that was in 2004 through Oliver Wyman. And I've taken various roles within uh, Marsh McLennan, including uh, being the global head of innovation at mm. Marsh McLennan Corporate. So now, um, as the chief operating officer at MMA, um, I've been responsible. You know, I'm responsible for operations and innovation and IT. And um, I've been in this role for nearly four years. It doesn't feel like that because when I joined, we were only just about billion dollars in revenue. Yeah. And since then, we've doubled the size in size to north of two billion now. Great, great. How did you find that transition moving into the insurance industry and Obviously, for a for a large global player like like Marshall, be it within the MMA. Well, it was a it was a pretty slow transition because I came in through Oliver Wyman, and yeah. Oliver Wyman is a, a management consulting firm that uh, is really not just insurance but all companies. Yeah. Uh, but through Oliver Wyman, I got into uh, Marshall McLennan, and uh, about half of Marshall McLennan is insurance related. The other half is. Um, uh, management consulting, people consulting. Uh, so it, it's it's been a, a gentle introduction, I would say. And I'm sure our listeners also would like to know, obviously, the Marsh brand around the world is, is huge and um, is a big market leader within the insurance industry. The Marsh and McLennan agency, what's the relationship there with, with Marsh and, and what's the what's the difference between the, the Marsh Global that's a good question, uh, Nick. Uh, so Marsh McLennan Agency didn't even exist in 2009. So it was started by um, my boss, Dave Eslick, a, a, a fantastic leader. And uh, he went out and started um, Marsh McLennan Agency from zero to you know 2.2 billion now. And it's part of Marsh. And you know it, it's already, it's a pretty unique business because we're a large insurance brokerage with about 8,000 colleagues. But within an even larger business of Marsh McLennan, which is 76,000 colleagues and 17 billion in revenue. But anyone who's worked with MMA would probably say that we're an incredibly entrepreneurial organization, uh, like a $2 billion startup. Yeah. So we have all the upsides of being part of a large corporation um, with all the you know wealth of resources. Um, but with all the advantages of being local and regional agency, mm. you know, like being close to clients and, and being an active part of communities. Yeah. So it's, it's really the best of both worlds. But we're specifically targeting <clears throat> middle market yep. segment yep. of Marsh. So when people think of Marsh, they're thinking global 1000 companies, but we go just below that. We are, you know, the way that we grew is through acquisitions, right? Mm. So we are a collection of about, I think, 85 now of the most respected insurance agencies. And these aren't, you know, we're not out there to just acquire a whole bunch of companies. We've been working on some of these companies for five years. And most of the companies that we uh, go after, they're not looking to sell. Um, in, in fact, they resist selling uh, up until a point where, you know, they say, What's better for us to um, invest ourselves, or you know, do we can we accelerate growth through partnering with MMA? So they wrestle with that, and uh, when they you know 
they actually come to us, they're, you know, they're ready to share their goods with us. We're ready to share ours. And it's, it just becomes a kind of a big, happy family. Do they come under the MMA brand or do they, do they keep their own local name? Yeah, there's a transition. So they become like we, we just acquired PainWest. So there'll be a PainWest, a Marsh McLean agency mm-hmm. company. And then over time, it'll become Marsh McLean agency, PainWest. And then, you know, they transition to Marsh McLean agency, Northwest region. So we have 13 different regions under our umbrella. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Christine. I think it's so good to sort of get background information on our guests ahead of the the questions um, that that we'll be going through today. Obviously, being the chief operating officer of a a $2 billion revenue business, servicing that that middle market, I think it'll be very interesting to a lot of our listeners who who also work in that space and will be eager to find out more about you and, and the work that you're doing there. Final question before we do go on to our main body i know that you've uh, you've got a cup of tea there at the moment but what's your usual go-to coffee of choice in the morning christina oh every morning that would be a flat white <laughs> <laughs> uh and my husband makes it for me every morning which is a oh, big treat very good, very good. Oh, did he did he learn that when he was doing his uh, mba over there in uh, <laughs> <laughs> well he's he's actually um, australian born in england so flat whites are uh, i think more common there than it yeah. is in the us yeah oh fantastic fantastic great start to the day christina how did you break into the c suite and how did you find that transition from from your from your previous position yeah i um would say that um you know i My inclination is to say that I was at the right place at the right time. Um, But I think everything that I've done to date, you know, that I mentioned, the whole bunch of different roles I've um, I've played, I think that sort of led me to this role in a roundabout way. Mm. And um, I'm also an incredibly lucky person in general. So I sort of step into these roles that, you know, work for me, or maybe I just make lemonade out of lemons. I'm not sure. But I think the transition was pretty smooth because we have such a good, um, competent group of leaders and colleagues here. As I mentioned, we really acquired the best. So, um, you know, it's almost like on autopilot to a certain extent. And I step in and, uh, you know, I'm sort of doing what they're doing. And and the corporate team has a crystal clear strategy um, that we're all executing against. Mm. So um, it's been pretty easy it's pretty pleasurable and, and do you put that down to hiring those high performing executives into into that team uh, yeah absolutely that, that i mean role? There, you know I, I get to work with these sort of insurance giants right of the industry and they've already proven themselves they've they made a lot of money they, they have nothing to do other than enjoy the game enjoy the business serve others and it's, you know, I, I'm learning from them all the time. They're, they're really, we have so many role models within the company. Fantastic. And what would you say has been the biggest achievement in your leadership career today? I, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, I, I'm really proud of the fact that I found myself in a company that I admire. And I, I'm in a position where I love what I do. Uh, you know, I get up every morning and look forward to doing things. And do it with people I enjoy spending time with. So when I get up in the morning and see 
10 meetings back to back, you know, I let out a little sigh. <laughs> but then when I get into the meetings and I go, oh, it's with Jill or it's with uh, Bill or Addie or, you know, whoever, I go, oh, I, I, you know, I actually enjoy that time with them. So I, it's a great place to be in. And I feel like I got here on my own terms, mm-hmm. you know, looking at what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And, and, you know, I slowed down when I needed to take care of family needs. And, and I found a, a work-life balance that works for me. And I, I think that's really huge in a career. And I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm a woman in a senior executive role in an insurance space and of Asian descent. So I know that I can serve as a role model. So wherever I can, you know, either formally or informally, I mentor others when I uh, have the opportunity. Fantastic. I think uh, it's, it's great to be able to appreciate that fact that you're in a position and for a company that you want to be a part of and that you really feel is, is a great place to be. And I think often, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who, who are in this similar position, but we don't often appreciate that actually of, of what we've got there. And we, we can sometimes overlook that and take take advantage of that. So that's very humbling and I re- really appreciate that answer. Has there ever been a time in your career, though, where you've had a setback or you might have been overlooked for a role or an opportunity hasn't quite gone according to plan? And how did you go about dealing with that? Yeah, uh, Nick, I mean, looking back, I didn't really have a career roadmap. So I never expected anything. In fact, uh, most of the roles that I held in my career, I didn't replace anyone. For example, even this role or the innovation role before that, it was created due to the business need at the time. Or I've asked for roles to be created for me in a couple of cases in the past. So in general, I was kind of clueless in terms of, you know, navigating that career roadmap. But I know that uh, I created a lot of value for the organization. And, and, you know, usually one thing leads to another. Things present themselves uh, in a way that, uh, you know, I want to do my job. So um, there hasn't been like, oh, you know, what is that next step up? And why didn't I get that? Because I've done a lot of sort of lateral movements and, you know, tried all kinds of different areas quite been a it's been quite a fluid process and moving into the present day obviously in that middle market there's an awful lot of competition out there how is marsh and mclennan agency using and adopting technology into the business to meet the needs of the customers okay so this is my passion (laughs) uh when it comes to technology i'm a woman in a mission so uh you know my colleague and i we talk about um, revolutionizing our industry and our colleague and client experience and, and, you know, being that technology leader in our space, mind you, not uh, going against Google or anything like that uh, and, and what it means to get there. And I mean, if you look at our agency, just because of the size, you know, when it comes to data, we're sitting on a gold mine, right? And then I, that's just MMA's data alone. And by the way, I'm using MMA for Marsh McLennan agency because that's a mouthful, but you know, you add Marsh and Mercer data and now carriers are being, you know, more free about sharing data with us. Uh, and we have this powerful analytics engine on top of that that can tease out insights and, and mm-hmm. uh, help make decisions for our colleagues and clients that in a way that uh, we couldn't do before. So it's, it's super exciting. How, how do you go about maximizing that opportunity with that amount of data? Well, it's, you know, first of all, we all have to use the data in the same way, and that's pretty difficult to do. So there's 
a lot of work there. It's not just about, um, you know, using data that we have. And uh, we try to use third-party data as well, but even those companies are, are still working on that, their data. So it's, it's not perfect. So there's a lot of work that goes behind normalizing data and even uh, changing workflow so that we're capturing data that we mm. want. Mm. But it's, it's all a process that we have going in, in operational excellence programs. And we're digitizing our processes where it makes sense. So, you know, that helps us gather that data. And I know that not all colleagues or even clients uh, appreciate change. So we have to be pretty mindful of how we do that. But we do have 13 different regions. So what we typically do is uh, we'll say, okay, one region will pilot or test one technology tool and they work out the kinks and then get it ready for prime time for the rest of the organization. So if we have that going on in, in a few different regions, we can get to experimenting with technology much faster. And uh, you know, when that rollout happens, it's likely that it's already working pretty well. So we used to do this in a more ad hoc way, but uh, you know, we're now formalizing the innovation process. We have a product management organization that we built. We have innovation deployment leaders in all of the different regions. So it's been a journey and it's, it's, it's a really fun one. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I'm sure a lot of those brokers, those agencies, I'm sure they, they enjoy doing doing those sort of pilot schemes, the new new technology, yeah. those new, new Well, again, they, things. you know, because they've run their own agency so successfully, when they want something, they just go out and get it, right? right. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, uh, I mean, that's not that we can't do that anymore, but we have to be mindful of what we bring in, especially with all the cyber uh, concerns that we have nowadays. Mm. And it's not just MMA, Marsh and Marsh McLennan businesses are also investing in a huge way. So, you know, we can take advantage of what they're doing. And, uh, you know, we look from time to time, how do we collaborate? Although MMA has, you know, our own needs that we need to go after. So it's, uh, we're, we're attacking from multiple fronts uh, when it comes to new technology. Yeah, fantastic. Moving to the future now, what what do you see as the major challenges ahead for insurance executives? What do you think they should be doing to be successful going forward? Yeah, there. Uh, I would say that uh, you know we have to stay relevant for the new generation, right? Especially coming out of the pandemic. You know, what does the future of work look like? It's not going to be the same as it was before going into the pandemic. And you know, are we ready for that level of flexibility that colleagues are seeking from employers now you know can we can we change the way that we have our office layouts mm-hmm. or how they come in or how does technology enable them and you know I, we have to talk about how technology is going to transform our business and and i think i've heard a lot of executives focusing on buying technology rather than you know spending enough time on that transformation aspect yeah. which is really the, the the much much harder part it certainly is it certainly is that that leads us on very well actually to our next season of the insurance coffee house which is going to be an insure tech season where oh. we're hoping to be able to educate some of our listeners some of our insurance business leaders about those opportunities whether they are di- digital transformation or going off the shelf and working with insure tech providers appreciate the uh, tee up for the plug there christina <laughs> 
Absolutely. Great. We now turn to the espresso round, so-called as the questions short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you've got your cup of tea there, but are you ready for an espresso, Christina? Absolutely. Let's go. Let's go. The espresso round. Christina, what are the characteristics about MMA that make it such a great place to work at? Uh, I'd have to say people and the culture. I mean, I've never worked in a place like this where people are so genuinely nice and fun to be with. And, you know, we have a, a the sales culture that's vibrant and high energy and, uh, you know, growth minded and innovative, uh, innovation minded. Mm. So it's, you know, it's a fun place and MMA really takes care of their people. That's fantastic. And I, I think so interesting to learn about that. I think sometimes in our minds, we, we think that some of those larger organizations are a bit, a bit more corporate, a bit more colder, so that you have that mixture of that down to earth culture, as well as obviously all the advantages of working for a larger organization. Right as well. What opportunities do you provide to high performing insurance leaders who who want to move up to that next step in their careers? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. One is, uh, you know, when it comes to learning and development, we have uh, MMA University. Yeah, so for example, last year, I completed um, my employee health benefits specialist program and I'm just about yeah. to start my business insurance specialist program. <laughs> and that's online. And carriers get involved. It's it's really a great uh, platform. But we've also started a leadership development program. Uh, we partner with Kellogg Business School yeah. uh, for the most senior leaders, and we have um, uh, multiple cohorts of leadership groups that are you know called Vision Forward groups, and they're like the YPO groups where they build relationships and they get to work together so that they're thinking more, they're living MMA rather than just their regions that they're, they're part of. And we have, you know, a whole bunch of other programs like uh, Grow, which is for um, a network program for women, or a lot of regions have actually included men now. And uh, there's mentoring as part of that. But the, the fact that we're part of a much larger company, Marsh McLennan, it means that there are opportunities for folks to go outside of MMA to Marsh, Mercer, Olive Weimer, Guy Carpenter. And I mean, really, I thought I never thought I would be within Marsh McClendon as long as I have 17 years. But it's actually hard to leave because there's so many opportunities here. Every time I try to leave, you know, I, I get sucked back in. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. And that's certainly a very attractive proposition we know high performing talent that's one of the first questions they'll be asking is what what are those long-term opportunities and you know how are you going to help me get there i think a lot of the times we do like to spin it back and say well you know you are in charge of your own career you're in charge of your own destiny but it is working together isn't it to you know enhance those skills that they might already have learn new skills as well and, and, and do that in a partnership together christina what are the top three skills or behaviors that you demand when hiring new insurance executives? You know, we talk a lot about um, servant leadership at MMA, and I I see it practiced on a daily basis. So that's something that I think we look for. Mm -hmm. We also have behaviors associated with our core values, which is um, integrity, passion, collaboration, innovation, and accountability. And, uh, you know, when you say three, in addition to servant leadership, I would probably highlight collaboration and, and innovation. And because innovation, especially, uh, you know, people think that they're not innovative, they're not creative, but it's it's not true. You know, it's a muscle that you can build over time, and and we do it particularly well here. So um, 
Yeah, I think sometimes it, it can be quite a scary word, actually. And yeah, some people, especially within the insurance industry, think actually, I'm not particularly creative or innovative. But when you actually look into what they're doing for their clients or, you know, for if they're underwriters for the brokers they work with, they're very imaginative and they're, you know, they're, they're finding ways of providing solutions to them. Yeah, absolutely. What do you find is the largest challenge when recruiting people or attracting talent to the business? What can those frustrations sometimes be? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of insurance executives will say this, but for the non-industry folks, selling the proposition of how great the job can be in the industry, you know, not typically regarded as sexy, right? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I think insurance is very sexy. I mean, <laughs> especially our business, we get to help companies um, navigate through uncertainty. Uh, I think through taking risks and plan for growth and, uh, you know, we, we help our companies survive and, and thrive. And, you know, we like to say that we make a difference in the moments that matter mm-hmm. and we have proof and that's very sexy. Mm-hmm. It is, but it can be a challenge getting that across to someone who, particularly in the technology space, you know, can seem more appealing. But um, yeah, it, it, it's all about education and explaining those opportunities. And I'm sure I'm sure you're very good at doing that. Once you once you've got people in the door in front of you in an interview, I'm sure I'm sure that comes across. But the the challenge sometimes can be, and I think that's that's obviously part of our role as um, search agency for the insurance sector is is educating and, and letting people know about what those opportunities are. Yeah. If there are any insurance executives out there in the US at the moment who are considering their next move or opportunity, what would your advice be to them? Well, I'd say first, give us a call. <laughs> and uh, second, I think figure out what you really uh, want to do and what it takes to be the best at it. You know, find what color is your parachute. Um, and it's never too late, whether you're 20, 40 or 60. Well, 80 might be too late. But um, <laughs> well, so, OK, maybe do that first and then give us a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fantastic. But we've all almost reached the um, the end of our time together in the Insurance Coffee House USA today. It's been it's been brilliant to have you on the show. Before we finish, do you have one piece of closing advice for our listeners? And uh, if they do want to pick up the phone to you, uh, how would they go about contacting you after the show? Yeah. So uh, first of all, they can find me on LinkedIn or through my email, christina.mod at marshmma.com. And uh, in terms of final piece of advice, I think uh, I'll go to my most recent uh, favorite quote, which is uh, from Louis Pasteur, who says, chance favors only the prepared mind. And by this, I think he meant that, uh, you know, sudden flashes of ins- uh, insights don't just happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the product of um, preparation. And for me, being prepared career-wise means, you know, knowing what you want to do, being very good at it, mm-hmm. uh, going above and beyond, mm-hmm. and cultivating relationships especially with people who appreciate what you're good at. I mean, think sponsors, right? And I think uh, you'll be surprised at uh, what opportunities uh, present themselves. So um, there you have it. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much, Christine. I think that's a that's a great note to to end things on today. We've really appreciated having you in the Insurance Coffee House. And yeah, thank, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Nick. I really enjoyed it. Christina, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. To all the insurance business leaders out there, whether you are based in the United States or internationally, we thank you for listening and I'm sure you would have gained a lot of 
valuable insights and advice from Christina today. Looking ahead, we we now have the season three of the Insurance Coffee House, which will be launching shortly, and you'll have the chance to listen, listen to lots of insured tech leaders from around the world talk about what opportunities are out there uh, within InsureTech and what uh, solutions their technology can um, provide to your customers and also to, to your staff at your businesses as well. So be a very interesting series. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again to you, Christine. It's been brilliant to have you on the show today. And until next time, this has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.